you, you can be a pastor uh, to, to the corporate. You can be a pastor to children in kindergarten. You can be a pastor to sportsmen. You can be a pastor to actors. You, you can be a pastor to uh, you know, people that don't have a home to live in. Those that live in the, on the road, you can be a pastor to them. So, so it doesn't matter if you have an official title called pastor so-and-so or if you have a church that is recognized by the government of India, irrespective of what your title may be. If you are here, it's because God has planned and prepared for you to be a pastor. God, God sees you as a shepherd. It is impossible to follow Jesus and not become a shepherd ourselves. Because Jesus is the perfect shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd that we are all craving to be like. We are all working to be like. We are all desiring to be like. So it's not possible for us to follow Jesus and not be shepherds ourselves. The only question is, who is my sheep? Recognizing that is very necessary. Uh, you know, serving our sheep and, and, and finding our assignment, that is necessary. That is where our whole focus has to be. So each and every one of us in this place, I believe that you are ordained by God to be a shepherd. You're ordained by God to be a leader. Do you know the parable that some seed fell on the footpath? What happened to the seed that fell on the footpath? The birds came and snatched it off so it couldn't bear fruit. Then the next category of uh, seeds fell on the, on the rocky soil. So, so, the, so this kind of... Uh, seeds they couldn't bear uh, good roots they couldn't be rooted so because of which they couldn't gain ground and they dried off then there was a third category of seeds and the bible says they did fall on good ground they did have roots they did have life but when the life came out there were a lot of thorns and thistles that surrounded the seed Jesus says this is the worries of everyday life. Anxieties, daily struggles. Worry about what my, what's going on in my family. Worry about why is this prophecy not coming to pass. Worry about why am I not experiencing this personal or corporate victory. All these worries and anxieties of everyday life. The Bible says the thorns and the thistles, they, it had the capacity to throttle this plant. So guess what? Your, your worries, your anxieties is as powerful as the devil. That's why Jesus said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. What sets a leader apart from an ordinary person in the church is that a leader is not worried about their tomorrow. A leader is not anxious about what's going to happen next. See, I'm not talking to a group of people that want inspiration today. I'm speaking to a group of generals. I'm speaking to warriors. I'm speaking to men and women of God who know who they are, who know what they are made of. And, and the Bible says that there is a fourth category who didn't, who, who, who was not the footpath, who was not the rocky soil, who, who didn't get clogged up by the thorns and the thistles. The fourth category was good soil, the Bible says. But do you know what's the scary thing? Even the fourth category bore fruit 30 times. It says some 30 times, some 60 times, and some 100 times. 
So what is the reason why they bore fruit in different levels? They all prayed the same prayers. They all attended the same conferences. They all had the same pastors laying hands on them. They all had the same kind, the same DNA of the seed falling on their spirits. And yet, some produced only 30 times. Whereas their full potential was 100. They only produced 30. Some went a little further, you know. You know, we all like to be that. Not too less, not too much. Ba maintain a balance, you know. We'll stay right here in the, in the center. I don't want to be so less that people call me backslider. But at the same time, I don't want to be so on fire that I have to lay everything at the altar. <laughs> so let me be right here in the 60% category, you know. But then there was a, a category that went all the way that bore fruit a hundred times. And I believe that the, the kind of result that we will bear in this season will be dependent on the kind of faith that we have. And I was praying about what I should share, you know, and God just kept reminding me to teach on faith. And I said, God, no, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong message for wrong conference. This is a leader's conference. Faith, you teach to baby, baby Christians, right? You don't teach faith to leaders. Leaders, they have... You know, they, they believe God for things. They pray and they, they have fought battles. They have, they have experienced all these things. They, why do you need to teach faith to leaders in the church? And then God kept on saying, teach on faith, teach on faith, teach on faith. So I'm going to teach you about faith. Do you know that most of our prayers are not prayed in faith? Most of our prayers got, get unanswered, get ignored from heaven because they are prayed out of fear. They are prayed out of anxieties. They are prayed out of social pressure. They are prayed because, uh, I, you know, if, if, I, if, if this doesn't happen, then I have nothing else to do. They are not prayed with faith. A prayer that is prayed in faith, the Bible says in James chapter 5, it produces results. A prayer that is declared in faith. So if we don't have faith, it doesn't matter if you pray 20 days, 40 days, 60 days, 100 days, nothing is going to change. So we need faith to be the fuel that will drive our prayer. And that kind of a prayer is what is going to produce results. We're going to pick up a few men of God in the scripture and we're going to try and criticize them, criticize their faith. Why? So that we can learn something out of it. So that we don't fall in the same mistakes, in the same things that uh, they fell, in the same uh, challenges that they had that we will not have. So I have titled this sermon as the faithlessness of the leader. The faithlessness, not the faithfulness, not the abundance of faith that a leader has, but the faithlessness, the lack of faith of some of these leaders. And these leaders are in our scripture. These leaders are men of God that we preach about. And yet there were points in their life where they did not have faith. And because of which they had consequences. They prayed, but they did not have faith. Let me take you to the scripture that Jesus spoke to me a few days back. This is Matthew chapter 17 and verse 17. You faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Do you know who is Jesus referring to? Backsliders, right? That, those, the, the, that don't follow him anymore, right? No. 
Jesus is referring to his disciples. Jesus is referring to people that pray. <laughs> Come on, you, you look at his prayer life. How can Jesus call this man faithless? Because he is faithless, the other translations would say faithless and perverse. Not just corrupt, but perverse. Who do we call a pervert? Jesus calls these guys who don't have faith for the things that they are praying for as perverts. And that's exactly the translation. It says perverse generation, perverse people. How long must I be with you? You know, it's very easy to exercise faith when God is here. It is very easy to exercise faith when we feel the presence of God. It is very easy when, when there, are, there is a momentum, when we have just come out of a conference and when we have just had two hours of prayer. It is easy to exercise faith. But in the scripture, the Bible says, I'll tell you that about Hezekiah in a while. How God, the Bible says, he, he withdrew from Hezekiah to test his faith. He withdrew from Hezekiah to test his heart. So there are going to be seasons. See, Jesus is saying this. this is not, I'm not telling you that Jesus will not show up in your life. I'm not saying that Jesus is not there for you. But Jesus is telling his disciples, how long must I handhold you? How long must I keep telling you to do this, to do that? Why can't you be a little more believing? Why can't you hold on to your faith and do something with it? You faithless and corrupt people. Faithless and corrupt people. That is what makes you corrupt. I mean, there are so many areas of our life where we, we can categorize ourselves as falling short, of, short in these areas. But the biggest sin that we can ever commit is faithlessness. And that's why Apostle Paul would write about this, I think, in Romans. Anything that is not done in faith is sin. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Which means those of you who went out and you had coffee but you didn't do it with faith, that is sin. You know what is Paul talking about? Fasting and prayer, right? I want you to read that. Go back, go, go to that scripture and read it. What is Paul talking about? You know, cancelling demonic witchcrafts and you know, all these high level battles. What is Paul talking about? Read it. Romans 14.23. What is he speaking about? Read the context to understand what is he speaking about? <laughs> this is amazing. What is he speaking about? Eating food. He's not talking about planting churches and, you know, pioneering businesses. He's saying if you don't eat your food with faith, then that's sin. Do you understand why Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people? How long must I be with you? Have I, not, have I not taught you how to walk in faith? Have I not taught you how to speak in faith? Have I not taught you how to pray in faith? How long must I be with you? And how long must I put up with you? My prayer is that Jesus wouldn't have to put up with any of us. No, 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 no. Jesus don't have to put up with us. He has to be happy. So, you know, the Bible says the one thing that impresses God is faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, it is not your 12 hours of prayer that will please God. It is your faith that will please God. 
Your faith has to drive you into prayer. Your faith has to drive you into your giving. Your faith has to drive you into your serving. Your faith has to drive your ministry. Your faith has to be the foundation for everything that you do. And we will teach this to newcomers to church. But we ourselves, we practice the exact opposite. And I'll prove that for you in scripture. You know, Paul, he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And Timothy, he is the bishop of Ephesus by the time that he dies. And Timothy is a great leader in the church. He's saying, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Now, based on the prophetic words that are spoken about you earlier, may those words help you to fight well in the Lord's battles. What is he saying? He's saying, I have, I have prophesied to you already. I have already given you instructions, but now I want you to hold on to those prophetic words so that you can fight the battles. Just because a prophecy is released doesn't mean that you don't have to fight the battle. Just because you have a revelation from God doesn't mean there is no active work to actually bring forth the fruit and the results of that revelation. It requires work. But that prophetic word was supposed to be the fuel for you to fight well, for you to do well, for you to come out as a conqueror, for you to come out as a victorious person. So he's saying, Timothy, my son, read it with me, please. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words that are spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Verse 19, what does he say? Loudly. Cling to your faith in Christ. And do what? And keep your conscience clear. Because Jesus said something very interesting. Jesus said, faithless and corrupt. So the moment I let go of the faith, it is going to even numb out my conscience. It has the power to kill my purity. It has the power to deviate me, to, to defile me. And that is why he's saying, cling to your faith in Christ. Who is he speaking to? Somebody who is just new to church, right? He's writing to a bishop. A bishop would mean he is an overseer of multiple churches. And he is writing to somebody of that stature. And he says, hey, you need to cling to your faith. Hold tight. Hold fast to your faith. How would you hold tight to a... Uh, for those of you who don't know swimming. If I throw you into water and you have an air balloon in your hands. How... How, how, how tight are you going to hold on to that? Paul says that is how you need to cling to your faith. Cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your conscience clear. Because if you lose your faith, then you will automatically become corrupt. That is the generation Jesus was looking at and saying, you faithless and perverse generation. You faithless and conscienceless generation. So Paul says, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Can you all memorize this? Say this after me. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Because he says in the next line, the same scripture, he says, For some people, what did they do? They have deliberately 
they violated their consciences and as a result what happened to them their faith has been shipwrecked the faith has been destroyed so paul is looking at timothy in the spirit and he is looking at the dangers that timothy is going to face in the days ahead and paul is looking at the the temptation he will face Paul is looking at the opportunities that he will be offered in ministry. Paul is looking at all of that and he's saying just two things. He's saying keep your conscience clear and hold, cling to your faith. Because some people, they have deliberately violated their consciences. So this morning, this four days, what is happening is your conscience is going to be retrained. There are certain things that you didn't feel sinful and you didn't feel to be problematic but after this 4 days your your sensitivity is going to increase your your spiritual appetites are going to change oh you will you you will talk different you will feel different you will sometimes you will get annoyed also quickly <laughs> you will get irritated fast because because your consciences are being something is being imparted into your consciences then when you go out and when you violate this conscience deliberately read this with me some people have deliberately violated their consciences so what happened to them so as a result they have their faith has been shipwrecked their faith has been shipwrecked but i believe that i'm talking to a group of people who will not shipwreck their faith i'm talking to a group of people who will rise up in faith uh, talking to a group of people who have who are called to be overcomers first john chapter 5 and verse 4 first john chapter 5 and verse 4 the bible says for everyone who has been born of god overcomes the world all the people that are born of god wave your hands to me All the people who are born of God say a loud hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guess what happens to you? It says if you are born of God, you have to overcome the world that you placed in. If you are born of God, you have to overcome the challenges that you are stuck in. If you are born of God, you cannot be defeated. No, it's not possible. Everyone who is born of God, it doesn't say 30% of them they overcome, 70% may or may everyone who is born of god they they overcome the world are you ready for the next line and this is the victory that overcomes the world their prayer their tithes no 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 come on what are the things that we we use for victory our fasting right our altars you know whatever it be if it is not driven or based or not founded on faith then it has no power it is you know the bible says there is only three thing that last forever what are those three things faith hope and love because these three things you carry into eternity even in heaven you will need faith even when you see jesus face to face you will still need faith we we are thinking okay this is only only for this earth when i can't see jesus you know so i have to believe some no even when you get to heaven it will have to last prophecies you will not need forever speaking in tongues you may not need forever a lot of things that we are so excited about doing today we may not need it forever but faith we need it forever that's why john says this is the victory that has overcome the world 
what is the victory our faith our faith amen so i i want to give you 12 examples from scripture because there was a man in the bible who didn't believe anything good will come out of his family his name is abraham abraham didn't believe in the potency of his marriage he walked with god he was known as the father of nations the father of believers the father of faith abraham didn't believe in his marriage he believed so many promises of god he believed every but there was there was one area of his life where he failed to believe that god can do this in my marriage read this with me this is genesis chapter 16 and verse 2 so the bible says so sarai said to abraham the lord has prevented me from having children so do what so go and sleep with my servant perhaps i can have children through her and what did abraham do so i told you today after you get out of here some of you will not be able to agree with everything and here is abraham he is agreeing to something he actually expressed his lack of faith by agreeing to something that sarah said and in doing so what abraham did was give way to a hagar somebody else replaced what god had planned and prepared for him and sarah somebody else took that prominence abraham looked at his marriage and said oh i've been waiting for how long nothing good is going to come out of this this is useless this is pointless so this is sarah's idea not my idea sarah's idea so let's just go with it i'm 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 declaring right now that all the deceptive ideas that the enemy is putting in your head in this season to wreck your faith to wreck your belief in the marriage that god has given you to wreck your belief in the relationship that god has said what god has joined nothing except death shall separate i am declaring today that those deceptive thoughts those ideas those seeds it may have come through the closest people in your life it may be even your own spouse who sowed that seed into your head but you cannot agree with it no in jesus name you cannot agree with it there are certain things that you cannot say yes to there are certain things that you cannot align with come on like spouse husband and wife relationship is is the closest physical relationship you can have and yet his agreement to his wife led him to sin led him into a path that was not meant by god see you should think about this okay all his life abraham remained faithful to sarah and just one seed because you should, you see god has been constantly telling them that they are going to be fathers and mothers of generations and nations now that prophecy is put extra pressure no now you have to somehow perform to make that prophecy come to pass now you are willing to compromise to do god's will god doesn't need your help to build your marriage if you can bring your marriage into god's hand and say god i i believe i believe i am not i cannot prove this by works i cannot do with works i cannot please you in my marriage but with my faith 
but with my trust in you, but with my unwillingness to agree with the things that the enemy is sowing into my head. I, I am willing to stand for what you have said. I'm willing to stand for what you have said. I'm willing to stand for what you have said. And Abraham's mistake costed him big time. Costed him time. Costed him division in his family. Costed him torture to his wife and to his son, Isaac. You, you know the story. You're all Bible readers, right? Anybody who don't know the story? I'll put you on a Bible reading plan. That will make sure you, you know this by the end of this year. But it's, it's, it's necessary to understand that Abraham... He didn't believe in his marriage. His faithlessness became cost corruption. His faithlessness cost him to be, cost him to leave his conscience. Read that verse. Remember that verse that we said? First Timothy, one verse, 19. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your consciences clear. The second example, Jacob. Jacob, he didn't believe in his legacy. How many children did Jacob have? 13. And among the 13, there was one revival dreamer. <laughs> and he dreamt and dreamt and dreamt. He dreamt so much that his father started getting irritated with him. The father started scolding him. The father started getting upset with him. I understand if it is, uh, you know, an action, something that he did on the outside. But it's not an action. Dreams, you, you can't control. Okay, no, no, no. This is not a good uh, dream my father will like or dislike. You can't control. It's not in his capacity to, you know, to, to not dream certain things. Dreams were given by God. Especially these dreams. And Jacob, the Bible says, in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 10. This time, he told the dream to his father. Last time, he only told it to his brothers. This time... He, he said, wow, this, this is happening regularly. Now, this requires mentorship. This requires oversight. Whenever the Lord is placing something in your hearts, into your lives, you have to always bring it under leadership. Because there you will get direction. There you will, somebody will say, okay, not now. Take it, take it easy. You know, hold your horses. Don't, don't go too fast. This is how you will do it. We'll mentor you into making uh, that dream come to pass. And that's, that, that was a wise choice. He said, last time he only shared it with his brothers, but this time he said, I'm going to take it to my mentor, to my father. And he said, this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But what did his father do? But his father, he didn't believe. The father actually scolded him. The next line, he says, what kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually, which means he didn't believe it. The word actually shows that hey, in the dream realm, this is possible. <laughs> but in reality, that's not how business works. In the reality, that's not how politics works. In the reality, that's not how spirituality works, my son. He's saying, do you think this will actually happen? That we will come and bow to the ground before you? Will, you, will, will this really happen? And Jacob made the fatal mistake of disbelieving in his own legacy. See, what Joseph lost is a mentor. You should understand, it was not Pharaoh's job to bring that dream into reality. It was Jacob's responsibility to bring it into reality. Think about it. 
it was it, it was not egyptians who should be mentoring a joseph whose job was it to mentor joseph a man of god who has had an encounter with god it was not pharaoh's job to make sure that he reaches that palace that's why you find a mordecai and an esther who was esther's mentor not the king mordecai was esther's mentor even though she was placed in the palace even though god gave her favor who mentored her to reach that place mordecai but here is a man who refused to believe in the dream in the vision that his own legacy is going to birth this this was supposed to take abraham isaac jacob and then become a joseph but then jacob said no i i refuse to believe in this i refuse to believe that you can become bigger than me i refuse to believe that someday you will have so much money that i will have to receive from you and because of which jacob disconnected from his own legacy now do you understand what jesus meant when he said you faithless and corrupt people we are thinking oh wait wait i i believe in the baptism i believe in the holy spirit i believe in but what about your legacy what about people that come and open up to you and say hey this is what god is showing me do you be little them what about your own children do you be little them what about the people that god has entrusted into your care the 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 church leaders the pastors that have entrusted people into your care what do you do with them how do you view them in your head see whatever jacob said outside was an overflow of what he believed inside and on the inside he believed that joseph he's just a pampered guy he's just a guy who is getting it all very easy all these other 10 they are working hard for their livelihood but J- joseph he he doesn't leave the house like morning to evening is enjoying the favor of the father is sitting at home he's just a pampered guy i don't think that you know he is going to become big the others you know he he you know as much as i love this guy more than the others i don't believe his dreams will come to pass but today we have to disconnect from that thought pattern may the lord reveal to you your legacy yeah may the lord give you the grace the strength to believe in your legacy to believe in what is going to come out of your loins to believe in what can come out of your hands even when it is dirty even when it is messy even when it is not clear yeah any parent who've been who've ever held a newborn baby they know that when the child is born it's not the cutest thing very mucky very yucky very dirty it has to be cleaned up it has to be nourished like pastor legion said cherished you have to look at something that is so fragile and look at it and say this is a fine thing i believe in this i'm going to nourish this i'm going to sustain this i it may cost me my life to believe that he will actually redeem me out of israel but i'm going to believe in this i'm going to protect this when all the other parents in israel or in egypt when they threw their child into the river here was one couple one unique couple said no 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 i believe in my legacy i i believe in what i'm carrying i believe in what i gave birth to i trust this to reach the end there are certain things that are not in my hand but i am going to as long as it is in my hand i am going to believe in it i am going to cherish it i am going to pray over it i am going to believe i'm going to cover i'm i'm going to stand in the gap that is a prayer that is prayed in faith
not in disbelief not because of the worry of oh something bad may happen to my child or because oh he or she may not make it into heaven no this is the prayer of belief saying i believe that nothing come nothing that comes out of my loins can perish nothing that comes out of my womb it may be my physical womb it may be my spiritual womb nothing that is born of me can perish and somebody said cling to your faith in christ and keep your consciences clear cling to your faith don't refuse to believe cling to your faith the next person is moses you like the man of god moses the bible tells us about a time when moses he didn't believe in his own calling who called him the uh, the senior prophet above him no god called god i mean like i mean how many of you would want to have an encounter like moses did and yet here is moses he's having this amazing beautiful glorious encounter and yet he refuses to believe you know the bible the the guys who divided bible into chapters they are like man moses is scribbling so much i need an extra chapter to describe this so they divided put this into chapter 4 all through chapter 3 moses is telling god all the reasons why it is not going to happen all the reasons why it's not a good idea all the reasons moses said this finally in in chapter 4 and verse 10 he pleaded with the lord he's not even like you know uh you know, just requesting is this a good idea he's pleading with the lord now we will look at a man like moses who is praying so regularly who is pleading with god and we'll say faithful man right what a man what a warrior of faith you don't know how many hours he's praying but he's praying faithless prayers he's praying prayers that will puncture his walk with god it says moses pleaded with the lord saying oh lord i am not very good with words all of us can most of us can many of us can say this right to preach a one hour sermon how long do we have to pray usually yeah to 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 even speak to somebody we we have to really work hard to you know be confident in what we are doing and moses had the same struggle he said oh lord i am not very good with words the calling that you're calling me for that is a calling that requires me to be good with words and this is exactly what i'm not good with i never have been all 40 years in the palace they tried to make me good with words all 40 years they tried to give me speaking lessons and performance all of this they tried but i have never been good with my words i, I and i'm not even now it is even though you have spoken to me who is speaking to him right now god is speaking to him and he is telling god even though now you have spoken to me look at me this is my condition i get tongue tied and my words get tangled now see if you if you just ignore that part that you have spoken to me this makes perfect sense you can reject this candidate for leadership purpose but the one thing that he kept ignoring is the fact that god had spoken to him Go, who who called him to do ministry who called him to serve him god had called him god had given him a word god had given him a revelation and now moses is saying even though you have spoken to me oh no we we cannot make this mistake 
we cannot go back and argue with God about the same things that God has said you will do. No, no, no. We cannot be that church. You know, God didn't have a problem with Abraham and Sarah who doubted God. Because nobody ever has given birth to a child at the age of 100. But God had a problem with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Because now they have an example in Abraham and Sarah. Now they have an example in all these men and women of God in the Bible who believed. And God came through for them. You and I, we are without excuse. We have the story of what God did through the life of Moses. The next verse, I I don't have the time to go into it. The next verse, the Bible says God was upset with Moses. Angry with Moses, in fact. And God said, okay, go. I'm sending you Aaron also. And you know what a problem case Aaron was, right? (laughs) He made the whole nation of Israel worship idols. This was never supposed to be Aaron's assignment. Aaron did not have the grace to do this. This was Moses' assignment. Moses was supposed to be not just the leader to the people, he was also supposed to be the spiritual high priest to the nation of Israel. Because Moses didn't believe in his own calling, that calling got divided. And it was given to a man who was not qualified, who didn't have the capacity to carry what Moses was assigned. Because Aaron had not been called. God had not spoken to Aaron. God had only spoken to Moses. It was Moses' responsibility to lead the nation physically and spiritually. King and priest at the same time. He was supposed to be the businessman and he was supposed to be the pastor. He was supposed to be the politician and he was supposed to be the prophet. And yet he said, oh, I, this, is, this is not my job. I can't do this. I, I don't think I'm qualified. The next verse, God says, don't worry. I'm angry with you, but I will divide your calling to give it to somebody else. May we never be in that category. Because I'm telling you things that will bring our 100% fruit to 30%. And the remaining 70 has to be done by somebody else. See, God has to raise somebody else to replace that vacuum. But God doesn't mind doing that. When Elijah refused to serve God, God raised an Elisha, God raised a Jehu, God raised another king so that Elijah's responsibility got divided into three different people. Do you know when Elijah went and cribbed before God, what God said? God said, okay, fine, go and anoint these, these three, three people. One man was single-handedly doing the job of three people. And his job got divided. His job description, because he didn't believe in his calling. Cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your consciences clear. Cling to your faith. I'm not going to disbelieve in my calling. What God has said, he has said. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have speaking problems. That doesn't mean I don't have financial problems. That doesn't mean... I don't have all these struggles. These are real. But what God has said, He has said. Yeah. I trust Him. Yeah, I trust your voice, Daddy. I trust what you have desired over my life. Even before I was conceived in my mother's womb, there are things that you spoke about me. There were were declarations that were written about me in your book. I, I trust those declarations. I believe in those declarations, Daddy. I trust you. I trust you. I trust your ways. I trust you, Daddy. 
the lord is reminding some of you of some things that he has spoken but you have forgotten now you're living in doubt now you're living in questioning him but the lord is reminding you the lord is restoring that that initial revelation you had about him the initial word that you had heard from him about what was the calling over your life the lord is reminding you of that the next one there was a man called barak he didn't believe in his prophet or in other words his prophetess who was his prophetess deborah and what did deborah tell him this is the word from the lord thus says the lord go and fight this battle but what, you know what he said judges chapter 4 verse 8 he brought a condition he said yes i will i believe you what did she say she said you're going to have victory but but barak said yes i believe you and i will go but these these conditions need to be met only if you go with me now when when you look at this we look at it and say wow what a faithful guy right what a guy that loves his prophet he he's like man if you don't go before me i am not going you know we will say very loyal son of the prophet but that was a statement made without faith because the prophet had told him you go and bring this victory for me it was not the job of the prophet to go into battle it was not i mean like all the prophets that god has put you you seldom see these prophets go into battle they only step into the battle zone when the kings have not done their job and here is the prophet who is speaking to the general of the army of israel and the prophet is giving him a word from the lord i like how the bible calls her a prophet not a prophetess uh, the bible says hey thus says the lord this is the word for the hour go and fight this battle for me i don't know is there any other woman who has gone into battle in scripture other than deborah deborah had to literally go into the battle with him and because of which what happened the next verse it says that god told him because you didn't believe the honor that was supposed to come to you the victory that was supposed to come to you the assignment that was supposed to bring you blessings and rewards now that will go to a woman because this was originally supposed to be your blessing barak the, i i i didn't give, plan to give this to a woman but because you didn't believe in it victory will still come answers will still come results will still be there when your church members look at it man what a ministry but the credit will go to somebody else in god's eyes but the but because you were not willing to man up can you imagine what kind of a man would it be for him to ask a woman to go into battle with him i mean like i can understand nowadays when you have this advanced weaponries and women are trained uh, but this is not that's that's not the time that we are talking about this woman of god can get killed in the process of battle yeah all of you watch avenger movies and all of that right so you so you know that they don't say okay this is the woman we will hit her slowly no 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 they <laughs> sometimes when we take our church people out for you know cricket you know we and lucy would insist that she has to bat and and then elena would insist that she has to bat and then our bowlers you know all of fast bowlers they will come and they will say oh no this is this is our sisters we don't want to kill them so 
So they'll be very nice to them. But on the battlefield, that's not how it works. Here was a Barak who didn't see that, who didn't understand that. Who, who, said, who said words of disbelief to God's voice that came through his prophet. See, for Moses, he didn't have any reason to, to, to not believe because God himself was speaking to him. But for Barak, he was thinking, okay, I don't know how much I can believe this lady. <laughs> but if this lady is willing to come into the battle, that means that God has actually spoken to her. So Barak's desire in asking Deborah to come was not because he wanted some you know, fellowship on the battlefield. He asked because he wanted to really test and see if Deborah heard from God. I have seen men prophets. This is the first woman prophet that the nation has seen. I don't know if this is, this is like going to work, but let me put it to test. I'll ask her to come with me. So it was not a test of loyalty. It was a test of his faith where he, he was not willing to believe in his own prophet. So in other words, when, when your man of God tells you, gives you an assignment, don't go to him saying, we only have five loaves and two fish. Don't go to him saying, no, send the people away. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, no, 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 no. you don't send them away. You feed them. This is an impossible task, but you feed them. You give them something to eat. Jesus didn't say, I will feed them. You know, we put all the blame back to the prophet and say, oh, pastor, you, you planned this conference. Where will the money come from? And where, where will the people come? You, you make, no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus looked, at, looked back at them and said, you feed them. You take care of them. Here was a man of God who didn't believe in his prophet. And I can't overemphasize how, how big a sin it is. If you will not believe in the voice that God has given over your life, in the voice that God has assigned to, to make you the general. And as a result, what happened is that Barak, he lost not just his, not just his credit, not just, you know, God had to find another woman who is not trained in battle, who has no exposure to handling enemies. She had to be put at risk so that the victory can be won for the nation. No, we will not be a congregation that don't believe in our men of God. We, it's very easy to believe God, but it's harder to believe in the men of God. But the Bible says two things. Second Chronicles 20 verse 20, read it for me. Believe in the Lord your God. So if you do that, if you believe in the Lord your God, then you will be established. But then, but believe his prophets, so shall ye be prosperous. We, we, we are okay with the first part where we believe in God. But we are not okay where we believe, where we, we don't like to believe the men of God that God has appointed over our life. God has placed them over our life. God has entrusted them to lead us, to guide us. We don't believe in them. And that's a, that's a fatal mistake. And Barak made that mistake. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ and keep your consciences clear. Okay? The next person is Saul. He didn't believe in his obedience. Saul was a warrior. He was the king of the nation. He believed in his prophet. He believed the voice of God. He believed everything. But he didn't believe in the need and the power of his obedience. 
Here was Samuel. He sent him out into the enemy nation saying, okay, I want you to kill each and everything. Don't bring back anything. But Saul returned saying, yes, I obeyed God. I obeyed my prophet. But these things, you know, this, this is good for our worship team. You know, they can, they can do a fabulous job. If we can put them into our worship team, it will be out of the world music in our church. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. But Samuel, he replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your, your worship services, your praises, your new songs that you write every week. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Is it your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Who was the voice of God in Saul's life? Samuel. And, and God is asking him, hey, I know you're a leader. I know you're a pastor. I know that you have, uh, you know, the responsibility of this entire company. But what is more important to God? That you bring a higher turnover or that you bring obedience to the feet of Jesus. That you, you respond to God with obedience. What is more important to God? That you give a better offering? No, it is your obedience that counts to God. So you cannot surpass your obedience by saying, okay, I, I will make it up by serving 10 extra days or I will make it up by giving 10 rupees extra or I will make it up by praying 10 extra hours. No, that's not how it works. When God says, give your son, it means give your son. The next line, it says, listen. Read it with me. Obedience is better than sacrifice and Submission, it is better than offering the fat of rams. That is better. Somebody say, it is better. So, so what God is telling Saul is that you didn't believe in the power of your obedience, Saul. I, I, don't, I don't just want you to be a, a, a great warrior who is, who's got his act figured out, who believes in his marriage, who believes in his legacy, who believes in the voice of God, who believes in his prophet. I want you to be somebody that believes in the power of your obedience. I want you to believe in obedience. I want you to obey. I want you to submit because your obedience, it's, it's better. Your submission, it is better. You cannot you cannot surpass obedience and submission with other things. No, don't try to bribe God in this matter. God wants a generation that believes in the power of obedience. Yeah, yeah. See, see, if you read the conversation between Samuel and Saul, Saul was very convinced that he was doing the right thing. Very convinced. Which means that he didn't believe that obedience was that important. He, what he believed is that, okay, wow, look at the profit we are getting in this. Look at how many souls will turn to Jesus if I do this. Look at how many more people will, uh, you know, be reached and how many poor people can be. No, that's, that's not, that's all of that is inconsequential. If I cannot obey what God is speaking, if I cannot obey the, the voice, his sent voice in my life, then all of that is inconsequential. This is not a business deal. The other day I was telling our church, hey, surrender has to be unconditional to God. Surrender to God cannot be, if you do this, then I... Surrender to God has to be unconditional. Saying, whatever you say, whatever it be, this is, this is my will laid at the altar. Let your will be done. Now we come to David. 
the man who wrote the psalm the lord is my shepherd i shall not want the bible says there came a day when david sent out all his troops to take the census of the nation and if you if you read the question that joab asked this is in second samuel chapter 24 and verse 3 now joab he's replying to the king david and he's saying may the lord your god let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now but why my lord why why do you have to count why do you have to take a stock of your resources why do you have to do certain things that is a sign of your unbelief see when david started off he had nothing but now he had reached a place where he had everything he had victories he had blessings but now all of a sudden his trust in in victory his trust about his future his trust about the future of the nation turned from the lord who was his provider the lord who was his shepherd to the people who will go into battle for him so now he's taking a stock of how many people can actually fight for him now the bible says that there was such a serious serious offense in god's sight you know the story yeah it was such a serious offense in god's sight that so many people were killed in a plague in the nation for the next 3 days left right and center people were dying because of one mistake that the leader made why am i teaching you all these things because your choices as a leader your choices as a pastor your choices as the as the men and women of god placed over god's people it impacts the lives of people you know for i, I don't know how easy it was for david to eat and be happy and be okay at, in his house in those 3 days but thousands of people outside his house were dying as a result of david's choice of not believing in god's provision for his life Man, has david lacked anything in his life anything anything at all at one point god god told him hey bro do you know how many girlfriends i have given you why did you have to steal someone else's wife like do you know that like god's like telling him you've never lacked anything you, you i have actually been your shepherd in every possible way and here is david making the mistake of not believing in god's provision leaders make this mistake we think that oh he fully had as much money as david no i will never make that mistake but i'm giving you biblical examples of men of god who had it all who had the victories who had the fame who had the blessings and they still became faithless and they got corrupted because of that faithlessness next story let's go to jehoshaphat You know this man Jehoshaphat? He was a man who won great victories. He was a great 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 grandson of David, a grandson of Asa. He was a man about whom we we read we just read from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. That story. This was a man who God used for a great victory in the nation of Judah. And yet Jehoshaphat, he didn't believe in his consecration. he didn't believe now we are getting serious now this is very very important i want you to pay attention to this okay read the next line first kings chapter 22 and verse 4 then ahab turned to jehoshaphat and asked who is ahab you know the story of ahab who is ahab's wife 
Who is Ahab one with? You know husbands and wives are one, yeah? Who is, this is not in the New Testament church. This is in Genesis chapter 2 when God ordained marriage. God said, now the two shall become. Ahab is one with Jezebel. And they are having a wicked reign in all of Israel. Now, this Ahab, when Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat, it's not just Ahab, but everything that Ahab is one with. Ahab and Jezebel, they turned to Jehoshaphat and and asked, Will you join me in the battle to recover Ramoth Gilead? Will you join me? I want you guys to take a guess of what he answered. Not the reality. What would you answer? If Jezebel is saying, will you join with me on a ministry trip? Um, that's the, like recover Ramoth Gilead. That's like technically like a ministry trip, no? They are going out to do a conference in Ramoth Gilead, you know? They are, they are going to pray and they are going to fast. And Ahab is asking you, why don't you join me? I'll pay all your expenses. I'll take care of your stay. We'll put you up in Tunga. We'll make sure you, you're fed three times meals. Everything is taken care of. Will you come with me? And it's not like Jehoshaphat was like, oh, this guy's doing these sins in secret. There were some people who, who sinned in secret. Ahab and Jezebel were not one of them. It was not like by mistake he partnered with somebody wrong. It was public knowledge what Ahab and Jezebel were doing. And now here is the man of God, Jehoshaphat, who has won great victories in the nation of Israel, in the nation of Judah. Let's, reply, let's see his reply, okay? Verse 4, continue. He says, Why? Of course. I know you and Jezebel are one, but you and I are also one. What's the big deal? Come on, Jesus taught us to love everybody, you know? I love you, bro. Like, wherever you... I'm, I'm there for you. I'll never let you off. I mean, like, we are, we are, we are the best of friends. My troops are... Your troops and my horses are. You know, this is similar to what Ruth said to Naomi. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you, you need to know who you can make those statements to. Ah, he may be your neighbor, but he has, he doesn't have the same stream that you have. He's not in the family of David. He's not worshipping the God of David. He's not serving with, the, with, with that revelation, Jehoshaphat. Why are you stooping down to this guy's level? Just because you want to please everybody. Just because. You know, you can love people without having to please them. You can serve people without having to stoop down to their level. You know, Jesus is the best example for us. He would, he would spend time with tax collectors and prostitutes and drunkards to the extent that the Pharisees of the nation, they are like, who is this guy? Is this guy even a church pastor? Does this guy even know Bible? You know, to that extent, Jesus served. He was called the friend of sinners. And yet, you cannot point a finger at Jesus. Because Jesus, he served people, but he didn't become one with anybody. The Bible says in John chapter 2, he knew what was in their hearts, so he did not entrust himself to them. He loved them. He served them. He washed their feet even, including uh, Judas. He washed their feet, but he did not entrust himself to them. There There were only a few that he entrusted himself to them. Not even the whole 12 disciples he entrusted himself. There were only three 
Like Peter, James and John, he would take them into the Mount of Transfiguration and trust his real identity to them and say, till the time I don't rise back up from the grave, don't tell about this to anybody. This is a personal secret between you and me. You've just seen a side of me that nobody has. But, but you know, hold this, hold this. I'll tell you when to tell people. He entrusted himself only to a few people. But he loved everybody. He served everybody. Nobody could say that this guy didn't love us. Every person, including Samaritans that he was not sent to. He was only sent to the, 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 the lost tribes of Israel. In, in, including non-Israelites, people, that Syrophoenician lady, people that were not believers in Jesus' days, including them. He loved everybody, served everybody, but he did not become one with anybody. What did he say? Why? Yes, of course. You and I, we are one. No, no, we are not. We may wear the same clothes, but we are not the same. Yeah, we, we may talk the same language, but we are not the same. Yeah, we may, we may be preaching from the same Bible, but we are not the same. Yeah, I, I know where to draw my lines. I know where to step aside and say, okay, I love you. I will be there for you if you need me. But no, we are not one. Yeah, we are not one. We are, I'm not coming to Ramoth Gilead to fight as part of... You know, the story goes on to say that Everybody thought Jehoshaphat is the guy and everybody started pointing their arrows at Jehoshaphat. This was not Jehoshaphat's battle. This was Ahab's battle. But do you know who is everybody fighting? Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he said, you and I have one. If they want to kill you, let them kill me. You, the words that you speak, church, oh my God, you, 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 have to, you have to be consecrated even in the words that you speak. You have, to be, you, have to, you have to believe in the power of your consecration. You have to believe in the power of, of, of being set apart. You have to believe in the power of being a, a called out people, a, 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 a holy people that God says, I have called you to come out of them. I've called you to be separated. I've not called you to be like them. I've called you to love them, but not to be like them. Leaders, are you listening to me? Next story is Hezekiah. He won corporate and personal victories in prayer. Okay? He's, he's spoken things. He believed God for things that nobody has seen or heard till this, his day. You know, wasn't it during Hezekiah's time that the sun went back? Yeah? Come on. Like, it's one thing that Joshua held the sun in one place for a long time. But here is a man who prayed and the sun... Went back, reverse, time reversal. It's not Avengers. It's, you know, it's there in Hezekiah's time. You know, you, you have it back in the day. And, and the Bible says there came a point when he didn't have faith. He didn't believe in his own faith. He didn't trust God enough for himself. Hezekiah is the man that God used to take victory over Sennacherib. We heard about it, right? 1,86,000, one night because of his prayer. And yet, it came to a point where, let's read this scripture. It says, 1 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 30, 31. I want you to re read it loudly, okay? One, two, three, go. However, when ambassadors arrived from Babylon to ask about the remarkable events, you know what they're referring to? The time reversal and all of that. Yeah? That happened, that took place in the land. God, what did God do? God... 
withdrew from Hezekiah to do what? In order to test and see what was really in his heart. Do you know when Jesus looked at the disciples and said, how long will I be with you? What was it? It was a test of their faith. Now God was about to test how much faith Hezekiah really has. Do you know what Hezekiah did when, when this happened? The Bible says Hezekiah, he, he brought the, the, all his, he, he took these ambassadors from Babylon into his bedroom, opened up his lockers and he said, look at how much money I have. Look at all these different currencies that are stacked up. Look at all the gold, silver, every single thing. He showed it to the ambassadors from Babylon because now he was trying to make friends with these guys. He wanted to get into a business partnership with them. So he had to tell them how much stocks he has got. He had to show them that he is a wealthy man enough to be partnered with. Now his trust was no longer in the God that rescued him from Sennacherib. Now Hezekiah, the man of God, forgot his own faith. He forgot his own prayer. He forgot his own victories. He forgot his own testimonies. Hezekiah, the man of God, didn't believe in his own faith for a moment. And immediately the prophet came and said, everything that you showed these Babylonians, they're not going to partner with you with, for that. They're going to steal that from your hand. You know, Hezekiah was so foolish. Hezekiah heard this prophecy and he said, oh, this is a good prophecy. You know why? Because the prophet said, this will not happen in your days. It will happen during your children's 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 days. And Hezekiah said, ah, cool, no problem. Because my life will be comfortable. Man, it's okay you kill me, but if you tell me that my children are in danger, what should I do? I, I should stand, stand on my head. You know, the, David, he would pray, kill me, not my son. David, he would pray, destroy me, but not my people. And here is Hezekiah saying, okay, as long as everything is going to be cool and okay in my lifetime, I'm okay with that. Hezekiah lost his own faith. Now, I'm not saying Hezekiah is a bad person, by the way. Please, you remember what we are doing this morning, right? We are criticizing people. Because Jesus said, if you're faithless, then you're pervert. Perverse. You're corrupt. You're, you're lost. If you are faithless, then, then that's it. You can't do the will of God. You can't serve Him. Do you want to hear about another man of God? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The Bible says there were people that were sent to John the Baptist to ask, so are you the Messiah? Are you the one that, that, that we are waiting for? And John said, no, 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 I'm not that, but I am the voice. I am the voice that Isaiah prophesied about. I am the one who has come to prepare the way. This is the voice that is going to prepare the way for the Lord. And what did this voice do? This voice pointed people to Jesus. This voice pointed people to the Messiah saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the one who will take away the sins of the world. Because God had shown me that when I baptize him, the sun, the heavens will open up and there will be a, 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 the Holy Spirit who will come down in the form of dove and settle on him. So I know this is the man. I, I point people to him. In fact, he encouraged his own disciples to leave him and go to Jesus. Let's read about what he said. You ready? 
Matthew chapter 11 verse 3. John the Baptist had a weak movement. And who is he asking this to? He's asking this to the same Jesus that he pointed people to. And he's saying, are you the Messiah? Have you ever had some of these preachers who preach a contradictory sermon to something that they themselves preached like six months back? He's saying, like, are you the Messiah? Should, should I, is it okay now? Like, you know, this guy has been, has been a tongue-talking Christian, has been, uh, you know, prophesying. All of a sudden, he's coming up and he's saying, oh, wait, is this even real or what? Is this, is, should I be talking in tongues? Should I be, you know, prophesying? Should I be doing all this ministry? Should I be serving? I mean, he's, he's questioning everything that he has done. And this is a guy who is closest to Jesus, physically and also spiritually. Closest. He was known as the Elijah of Jesus' generation, who would come to prepare a way for Jesus. What did he do? Faithless and corrupt together at the same point. First Timothy 1 verse 19. Cling, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your consciences clear. He didn't believe in his own voice. He had declared something, but he went back to change it. How many of you love the man of God, Peter? Peter was the, the man to be around, you know, like he, he didn't believe he had any weaknesses. Really? Jesus himself is saying to him, Peter, this is your temptation. You, you don't have a strong backbone when faced with little girls. So I, I see that, you know, you are going to disown me three times. What did Peter say? Let's read that, okay? I can imagine you, you arguing with me, but why would you argue with Jesus himself? Okay, let's, let's read what Peter said. Matthew 26 verse 35. But Peter insisted, no, that's, are you kidding me? Jesus, come on, Jesus. You're talking about me, Jesus. Not, not possible. Even if I have to die with you, I will never fall to this temptation. I will never do this. Sometimes it's not just your strengths that you need to believe about. It's also your weaknesses that you need to believe. When God in His mercy has appointed pastors, leaders, men of God, and, and, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit Himself, He will convict us of our sin whenever we do something wrong. And we have to, we have to believe it. That, hey, I, I'm not uh, the omnipotent one. I am a, I, I'm a weak person. There are areas where I can succumb to this weakness. So I cannot take it lightly when God is exposing a failure in my life. So Peter, he, he, you know, when I say you should have faith, we are all thinking of, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you should also know all the things that you, you're capable of failing in. That's why G, Peter says, Paul says, beware of the schemes of the enemy. Beware. You should know where he has planted the bombs so you don't walk over them and destroy yourself. Here is Peter. Jesus is prophesying to him that you're going to fail. Instead of running to the feet of Jesus and saying, Jesus, please tell me how I can overcome this. In fact, Jesus told them how to overcome it. The next verse, few verses later, pray, watch and pray so that you don't 
fall into temptation. What did Peter do? He snored to sleep. Royally snored to sleep. I'm very thankful that John probably didn't sleep and he recorded the prayers that Jesus prayed. But Peter, he, he slept. Because you see the result of his sleep. He disowned Jesus three times. Everything that Jesus said he will do, he did. Because he didn't think that he's capable of denying Jesus. I mean, like, come on. If, if, you're, if you're trying to lie, I can understand. He's, he's saying, I, I, I secretly have an intention of disowning him, but I'll not accept it before him. But he's, he's directly like Judas, you know. He couldn't face Jesus. He's, he's like, even when he's asking, is it me? <laughs> he's not confident enough. But Peter is like insisting with Jesus, I am not that guy. For sure, I, I will never deny you. But Jesus was saying, hey, I see something in you. God approached Cain before he killed Abel. God approached Cain and said, there is a temptation that is lurking at your doorstep. If you will rise up, be a man and overcome it, then you will be victorious. But Cain said, no, 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 everything is cool, bro. Like, what's going on? I'm like, have you seen me? I'm, I'm the perfect guy like you know my parents love me I have a nice garden business I, I do all these things and nothing is going wrong with me and Cain didn't believe he is capable of murder and he, he tried to prove that to God himself when God was telling I see a temptation in your heart and the same thing happened with Peter he didn't believe in his weakness do you want to hear about John the apostle of love he didn't believe in the power of love this is Luke chapter 9, verse 54. Okay, it says, When James and John saw this, you know, this is the power of association. John probably was a soft-hearted one. But he was always hanging out with his blood brother James, you know. And it says, when James and John saw this, it doesn't say, James said it. It says, they said it. Now, John is swept away in James's desire. And they said to Jesus, Lord, this is it. Let's call down fire from heaven to burn these guys up. This is, this is the end of the story. This is the man who wrote to us saying, love one another, forgive one. Like the whole, all the things that we read about in scripture, about love, most of it we have from Apostle John. There was a moment when he didn't believe in love. When he believed. You know, you know what was the problem? The problem was that these guys were Samaritans. And these guys, the Samaritans, they looked at Jesus who was after Samaria, he was going to Jerusalem. Just go back and read these scriptures, okay? He was going to Jerusalem. So the Samaritans said, no, no, no. If you're planning to go to Jerusalem, you cannot come in here. Okay? Now, John and James, they got so offended. They are like, that's it. They deserve to be barbecued. I, we've, I know, we know how you are capable, Lord. We have to call down fire. Like... Guys, the only other people who've been who've done this is in Sodom and Gomorrah. Like God, like there are so many sins that God has forgiven in Scripture. But here is a guy who has a you know problem with racism and he wants to call down fire from heaven on these guys. Yeah, he didn't believe in love. Let's let's talk about the man who wrote so much about grace. Yeah, Paul. There was a point where he didn't believe in showing grace. It says in Acts chapter 15 and verse 38. But Paul disagreed strongly. This is the Christian version, okay? It was very wild. The, the, uh, Dr. Luke, when he was writing it in the Bible, he made sure that he, he will write it in nice words. 
you know how where two people fight and if one is paul and another one is barnabas you know it was not a very pleasant argument but especially the nlt bible guys you know they have made it very smooth for us to believe that it was just a nice disagreement so they said disagreed strongly you know <laughs> how many of you feel disagree strongly with your wife <laughs> disagreed strongly you know the, the bible says the disagreement is so strong that they had to split ways the ministry got divided into two paul and barnabas they were one team all through their life and they got split into two now check this out okay paul was a murderer himself there was a guy called barnabas who came and attached himself to paul and he said man i will show you grace i'll keep encouraging i'll i'll support you in front of people now today paul has a team member called john mark and at a moment of weakness he deserted him in pamphylia and did not continue with the ministry work now he's saying i will never take john mark back into my team and of course what john mark did was wrong it was not right for him to have done it but paul the man who has been teaching everybody to show grace he couldn't show grace for a moment he that's why at the end of his life he would write to timothy i think you know he would say when you come bring john with you he's been very fruitful very beneficial in the ministry i've changed my mind about him now he's had a revelation of what grace looks like now he believes in grace now he's not just you know you know there are so many things we can talk about sing about but we don't believe in it but here is a man who after living a life he's saying god showed grace to me i'm the worst of sinners i'm the least of all believers i'm the smallest of all the apostles and yet god loved me yet god chose me now this man john mark he is is fruitful i i want to show him love he's been very beneficial please bring him when you come first timothy chapter 1 verse 19 loudly cling to your faith in christ and keep your consciences clear can i can i read out the 12 things that i i i mentioned the first is abraham who didn't believe in his marriage jacob who didn't believe in his legacy didn't believe in his children then moses who didn't believe in his calling even though god had spoken to him then barak who didn't believe in the prophet in in the voice of god over his life then we see saul who didn't believe in the power in the in the extent that his obedience can go to then we see david who didn't believe in god's provision over his life then we see jehoshaphat who didn't believe in his consecration then we see hezekiah who didn't believe in his own faith then john the baptist who didn't believe in his own voice then we see peter who didn't believe he had any weaknesses and then finally we see john who didn't believe in the power of love who wanted to barbecue people then we see paul who didn't believe in grace Jesus is looking at us and saying you faithless and perverse people when the son of man returns will he find faith on the earth he's not looking for great men of god he's looking for faith he's looking for things that he can celebrate he can enjoy leaders i'm talking to you will he find faith in us we may have faith to bring the mountains and throw them into the sea but do you have faith to believe in your own marriage 
You may have faith to believe in marriage, but do you have faith to believe that God will provide all the needs that you have in the marriage? You may have faith to believe for all the provisions, but do you, do you have faith that you have the capacity to love the people that don't like you, that don't serve you, that don't look like you? Do you have faith to show grace? Do you have faith to, to be consecrated, to be set apart, to not be like everybody else, to not join yourself to things and people that are not God sent into your life? Do you have the faith? Do you have the belief for that? Let's pray together. Father, we just surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We just surrender ourselves to you, a hundred percent. We pray that this will be our lifestyle where we cling to the faith, to our faith in Christ. And we will keep our consciences clear. Father, we just want to humble ourselves before your presence. This is a morning where you've taught us how to pray. This is a morning where you've taught us what to pray for, what to believe for. And this is also a morning where you've taught us how to believe you, how to really trust you, how to really hold on to that faith that you've given us. This faith is is not our own making. We know, Lord, that as the word was being spoken into our hearts, faith has, has been restored. That, that, that faith has been replenished. We thank you, Lord, Lord, because faith has been rebirthed, rejuvenated this morning. And I pray that this season will be a, a time of cherishing that faith, to, to stand on that faith, to be, to, be, to be fighting our battles based on that faith. And I pray over every woman of God in this house, Every, every woman that God has called to, to fight battles. Every woman that God has called to serve in the church. Every woman that God has called to preach, to, to run businesses, to be, to be in leadership positions. Lord, we, we bless each and every one of them. And Lord, we pray that they will be known as warriors of faith. Yes, Lord, they will be known as the Deborahs and the Esthers of our generation. Yes, Lord, that people will look at them and and admire them and want to be like them. Yes, Lord, they will be spoken well of. Not just before people, but in heaven, they will be highly esteemed. And I pray over the men of God in this house this morning. And I pray that they will be warriors of faith. That each and every one of us, Lord, we will be those that value who we are in the spirit. The value of our identity that value the the deposit of faith in our spirit, that value everything that you have entrusted into our hands, Lord, we value that, we value that. We trust in your voice. We trust in the prophets you have assigned us. Lord, we trust in the power of our obedience, Lord. We thank you for your strengthening our knees and our hands to obey. Yes, Lord, all the men in this place, Lord, we thank you for your giving us grace and the faith to obey. All those disobedience, all that lack of submission because of lack of faith, we repent for it today and we come back and we say, we, we believe in the power of obedience. We come to draw on this well, Lord, 
from this stream, Lord, from, from this grace, Lord, from this faith, oh God. We declare over all of us, 30 times let it become 60 times. And those who are on the 60 times, let it become 100 times. Yes, Lord, we go into the next session with great anticipation to, to ask for more, to cry out for more, to, to believe for more. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.